Welcome to the Institute of Catholic Culture. We are a non-profit Catholic organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. This presentation and many others are available through our online library at instituteofcatholicculture.org and on our ICC app. Please view our upcoming schedule of live online events and engage with us on social media. For handouts, links, and further study materials, please visit this program's page on our website or app. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we, we give you thanks, we praise you, we bless you, uh, we glorify you, and we ask you to keep us faithful. Today, we ponder some messages of encouragement and also warning uh, to us. Uh, we do ask you, Lord, to help us hear and heed your word and um, to also be encouraged, even in times where things don't always seem very encouraging. But we ask you, Lord, to uh, to put put a joy and a certainty deep in our heart that will help us to withstand the storms of contrary winds. We ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. I think um, I, just a, a, a thought on, on music that, you know, when we were on Tuesday night, we did Messiah. I meant, I think I mentioned this. Um, when I go to the nursing homes, you know, as priests often, you know, will do, um, there's usually a part of the nursing home. Some of them put up a little sign like memory lane or, you know, it's where the Alzheimer's and other, you know, patients with types of dementia. And, uh, you know, the last thing to go is music. People are sitting there all like this and I'll go in and start singing an old hymn or song that they perk up and they almost join it word for word. So I, I think that's a very fascinating insight. And they've discovered this um, in recent years uh, in these nursing homes. And so they do use a lot of music to try to keep people engaged. And there was a woman I used to visit who was 104 years old. And uh, but she was an old Baptist who had become a Catholic. I'd baptized her. And I mean, I had received her to the church. And uh, gosh darn, I could start singing one of those old hymns understand it better by and by she'd wake up by and by when the you know it was just really a, a neat experience and uh i don't say it happened 100 percent of the time but music is put very deeply in us obviously it's from a very deep deep part of where we are all right just a thought you know monsignor we got to have you on for like a gospel hour you know and we sing <laughs> yeah. some whole gospel hymns would that be a lot of fun at the icc <laughs> It would be fun. Yeah, that's that's uh, we'll do that sometime. Yes. All right. We I want to speak to you today. Uh, I'm just entitling this a late Advent message from God to his people. And I think I want to look at it in three. It's, it's a passage, by the way, from Isaiah 46, 1 to 13. If you want to look it up in your Bible and you always have your Bible at hand because you're a member of the Institute of Catholic Culture. And so it's Isaiah 46. Um, 1 through 13, okay, that's what we'll be reading from. Now, uh, <coughs> what I want to say <coughs> is that this message, I would argue, is addressed to really two different groups, but maybe kind of a, a subset of one of them. So it's three parts I'm going to look at. I want to look at that God speaks to the faithful remnant, to the foolish rebels, 
and to the faint-hearted at risk. Okay, so you, you, what do you think of my double alliteration? Right? <laughs> the faithful remnant, the foolish rebels, and the faint-hearted at risk. Okay, so there you go. But the, the so God speaks in this word. Um, first of all, we're gonna let me just read the first few verses. What I would call this the to the faithful remnant. Um, hear me, O house of Jacob, all who remain of the house of Israel, my burden since your birth, whom I have carried from your infancy, even to your old age, I am the same. Even when your hair is gray, I will bear you. It is I who have done this, and I who will continue, and I who will carry you to safety. So this is a word of encouragement to the faithful remnant. Now, Isaiah, um, in the 46th chapter, is, you know, are, you know they would be speaking to the, to the, at some level, to the people in Babylon who are um, in um, exile. And God is, uh, you know, this word of encouragement comes from Isaiah and is directed to them. But in our own times, I think those of us who try, or at least trying to keep our membership up in the faithful remnant, we at times can be discouraged. And um, we may wonder, um, I, you know, uh, so many people come to me, you know, Father, I, I, I thought I did everything right. You know, I thought I raised my kids in the faith and put them through Catholic school or, you know, whatever, you know, I, 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 they were, my, my son was an altar server. My daughter, you know, was in the choir. And, you know, I just really thought we, we did what we should do. And, and now none of them go to church. And one of them's all into this, got this, this gay agenda. And, you know, you know, you, you could see there's a lot of, a lot of things that can cause us, you know, to be discouraged, not just discouraged, but angry, um, frustrated. Uh, the culture so easily swallows up our kids and grandkids, and, and we seem to sort of be flat-footed. How do we reach them? How do we engage them in the faith? You know, uh, the world is very creative and very in their face all day long, and we just seem to be a muted voice. And so we all struggle, I think, with this sort of discouragement at times, right? And um, in a way, the Lord is saying to them, he's kind of, you know, prefiguring, if you will, the beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who are those who mourn? You know, I always say, well, my new car has a scratch on it. Well, okay, but that's not, that's not what this text is talking about. Blessed are those who mourn, right? Okay, are we clear? My stock portfolio is down, you know. This is not the beatitude. Who are those who mourn? They are those who, knowing the glory of God and his kingdom, see the awful state of God's people that they don't know God, that they turned away from God, that they think they can live without God, that, and all of the stuff that comes from it, that we're so dark and confused now that people can't even decide what bathroom a person belongs in. I mean, it is very deeply confused, and it, 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 the effects of this are evident, but on and on it goes, and when you don't think it can get worse, it does. And Therefore, um, we mourn. We mourn at this. Now, be, be careful about this word mourn, though, because I think that there's, there's different ways that people mourn. One way is to get depressed, close their door and start drinking or, you know, get depressed or angry and just shake their fist and say, some people, children, this isn't the America I knew. And, you know, that kind of stuff. And 
the anger is understandable. But the question is, what do you do when you're mourning and weeping for the state of God's people? And the answer is uh, this mournfulness. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, this word comfort, unfortunately, in English evokes ideas of like pillows. Uh, you know, take up your, uh, take up your, uh, you know, what do you call this? Um, take up your pillow and follow me or take up your uh, electric blanket and follow me. You know, that's not what Jesus said. He said, take up your cross. But you see the idea. Uh, so we don't often think of the word comfort in the way I'm about to present it to you. But it does come from the Latin root confirmare, which means to strengthen. So what is the sacrament of um a confirmation. It is a sacrament wherein we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit to bear witness to Christ. All right. That's I'm just summarizing the catechism there. But it's, it's a sacrament that gives us the strength to bear witness uh, to Christ with courage and with joy and so on. So the word comfort here means blessed are those who mourn, for they will be strengthened. Strengthened to do what? Well, out of this mournfulness, they're they're engaged. They start praying more. They pray for God's people. They go out and they seek to join organizations like the Institute of Catholic Culture and support ways to get the word out. Uh, Whatever they can do to just, if we could just reach some souls and bring them into the faithful remnant, and we can in some way uh, be able to uh, uh, reach souls. Even if I can't reach my own children, maybe I can help to reach others. But I'm animated now. I'm, I'm sad and I'm a bit angry about the state of God's people. What can I do? I can pray. I can fast. I can also act. I have some skills or gifts. Even if it's just I have a little extra money, I can help underwrite those who do have these skills. But I want to I want to get out there. So that's, you see the idea. The beatitude isn't, well, I'm wrong, but God will say, oh, it's okay. Now, we all need we all need that kind of comfort from time to time. But at the end of the day, this is not some saccharine idea. Blessed. Now, let's let's look at this word blessed, blessed in the Beatitude. Ashrei is the Hebrew word. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Latin word, of course, is beatus. And then the, the Greek word is makarios. Now, what's key about all these terms is, as St. Thomas says in the Summa, the Beatitudes are not just simple moments of joy. But it's a very deep, serene, confident. Here's the key word, stable, stable happiness. This is a a happiness, a joy that is not easily taken away, is is Thomas's point. So meditating on this word beatitude is more than just a passing emotional happiness or blessedness. So um, Bishop Barron has a... um, an interesting take on it uh, in, in his Catholicism series. In trying to understand the, the, the Beatitudes, the word flourishing comes to mind. You know, happy doesn't quite get it. Blessed doesn't quite get it. But flourishing, how flourishing your life will be. See, when you mourn, but that mournfulness becomes a, an inspiration to, to work and pray for the salvation of souls. Indeed, how blessed your life, how flourishing, how happy your life becomes when this sorrow is turned to a a joy that gets out there and wants to save souls, you see. So we see here then, let's go back to the text that we're looking at today. Listen to God speak now. Listen, listen, hear me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain 
of the house of Israel. Remember the whole northern kingdom wiped out, the so-called 10 lost tribes, right? Wiped out. And just, but hear me, you, the remnant, that smaller group that still remains of what was once much larger. Hear me, listen to me. Listen to me, says the Lord. Now, there's a there's something here that said it's not like you gotta be careful how you read this, you know. <laughs> My burden since your birth, whom I have carried from your infancy. See, a burden in English tends to just mean something that's negative. To it. But a burden in, in Latin and the, and the Hebrew and Greek roots of this, a burden is just is, is something or someone you carry. Okay, so is a child for a mother who carries a child in her arms, is that child just a burden in the fully negative sense? You're just a burden. Or no, or is this, there's, there's a beautiful, I carry I carry you like a weight, but in my, in my arms and close to my heart, I carry you. And this is done with love and a sense of beauty. So we see that um, the Lord is saying, you, you're my burden since your birth. I've always carried you, see, from your infancy. I've carried you. Do not be so despondent. Do not be so afraid. I have not abandoned you. I'm carrying you even now, you see, and even to your old age. I am the same. Even when your hair is gray, I still bear you. Now, the Lord goes on to say, it is I who have done this, and I who will continue, and I will carry you to safety. So I've always carried you. I'm still carrying you. I will always carry you. Don't jump out of my arms, all right? But <laughs> It's kind of the implication, but, but I'm carrying you. You say, but why are we going this way? Uh, I don't like this neighborhood. It's dangerous. Or I don't, this isn't as pretty as that other valley we went through. Or, you know, we always, you know, I'm carrying you, says the Lord. I'm bringing you somewhere, see? And I love you. And I want you to know, I never want you to forget that I've carried you from the beginning. And even though there have been frightening and difficult moments and disappointments and discouragements in your life, I want you to know, we're going to see in a minute, I have a plan. I'm going somewhere with you, with everyone else. I'm going somewhere. I, I know where we're going. And I can't tell you the whole thing now. You couldn't bear it. But I, I'm carrying you and I love you. And I'm going somewhere, somewhere wonderful, with joys unspeakable and glories untold. I'm carrying you. So stay with me. Do not lose heart. Do not, do not give up. All right? So again, I think we, we all have, especially today, a lot of things that are discouraging to us. We've seen how a, a once reasonably biblical culture has given way to a completely secularized culture almost overnight in our lifetimes. And this is bewildering for some of us, especially who are older. Although I got to say, we, I'm, in the, I'm, last, I'm the last you know, couple of years of the baby boom. I was born in 61. I think they, they sort of say 64 is the end of the baby boom. I mean, I, so I'm speaking about my own generation. Probably the most selfish, foolish, stupid, egotistical, narcissistic generation that has walked this planet in a mighty long time. And we threw everything overboard. We had this revolution. And I often apologize to younger people. I say, I'm so sorry what we've left you. You know, this is our misbehavior. We did this. And as um, Jennifer Rohrbach Morsaw often reminds us that um, Regarding the sexual revolution, particularly, she was speaking, um, she said that all of us have um, suffered from the sexual revolution, and most of us have also participated in it to some degree. 
So you, see, you start to see that we have to, I think, accept that even despite all these things, you know, we can get discouraged, but God is not. And God knows, and he's asking all those of us who strive to be in the faithful remnant, he's asking us, stay firm, stay clear, do not be discouraged, keep preaching, keep teaching. Blessed are you who mourn. I will comfort you. I will strengthen you. And I want you to keep preaching my gospel. As St. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, preach the gospel, do the work of an evangelist, preach the gospel in season and out of season, but preach it, keep preaching, keep teaching. Never give up, okay? And that is, again, I think this first part of the message here today in this passage from Isaiah. By the way, I draw it from the Advent cycle of the Office of Readings, you see. I think it's later this week we read this very reading, all right? Now, so that's our first group that's addressed, the faithful remnant. Now, we also have here another group that is addressed, and it's to the foolish rebels, and so now I'm picking up where we left off. Remember this and bear it well in mind, you rebels, rebels. Remember the former things, those, those, um, remember the former things, those long ago. I'm God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. Whom would you compare me with as an equal or match against as though we were alike. There are those who pour out gold from a purse and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and make it into a god before they fall down in worship. They lift it on their shoulders to carry it. And when they set it in place again, it stays. It does not move from the spot. Although they cry to it, it cannot answer. It delivers no one from distress. Now, there are, therefore, in our, in our world today, the rebels, rebels. The word rebel is from the Latin bellum, meaning war, and re means again. So they're always at war. No one will tell me what to do. The church, the Bible, get your rosary off my ovary, get your Bible out of my bedroom, go away. I, I will not apply, comply. I will not, you know, anger, bitterness, you know, um, bake me a cake, you bigot. Always at war with God, always thinking, look, I, I know better than God. That dusty old book, you know. Well, it's a dusty old book, but it made it to the current age because it's true <laughs> and it can't go away. So, you know, I, I think that uh, you can call it a dusty old book, but I'm going to say the fact that it's old, uh, but, and, but made it to today's, it tells you something about it, right? Now, all that said, these, these rebels are forever just resisting God standing against him constantly fighting will not listen it's like you know the old uh, expression you know sometimes you see with kids you know when they don't want to hear what you say la 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 you know just la 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 yeah and then uh, you know blah 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 and we're in the charlie brown thing anytime an adult speaking in the charlie brown uh cartoons you know he's wah 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 right just tune it out. These are adults talking. They don't have a clue. They don't listen to rock music or whatever. Right? So this constant at war, resisting, this constant, you know, I will not comply, this defiance. God says to them, you watch out. You watch out. You bend your knee to your little God. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to know something. I am God. There is no other like me. And you will one day stand before me fully. And I'm telling you right now, you rebels, you will answer to me for what you're doing. You will. I got a call early this morning from a woman whose husband has um, betrayed her. And um, not just once, but many a time. 
hanging with other women and he's un, 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 he's unfaithful. And um, I had to say, I had to say to her, look, let me, let me take up the voice of God. Listen to me now as I speak to you, but try to think that as God is speaking, I, I see, I've seen everything he's done. I've seen, and I, I heard everything he said and did. And I want you to know something. He will answer to me for what he's done. He will answer to me. And I, I want you to try to put down your anger and your hurt and try to give it to me. But let me say this to you repeatedly. I saw everything. He will answer to me for what he has done. He will stand before me and I will speak on your behalf. All right? Sometimes I think that we just have to let God speak to us like he's speaking here. He, but he's warning them, but he's also trying to encourage us that when people have hurt us, they've harmed us, they've done hateful, spiteful things, they've disappointed us, even the people to whom we trust, like a, a priest who might have hurt you or a pope who may have just this, this really discouraged you. You know, God says, now listen, they won't answer to me. Give it to me now, you know, don't don't forever stay in all this poison of negativity, you know. So, again, I, I think that we want to, first of all, hear the warning, but also the consolation. If we try to try to stay faithful, that God's truth will out, it will outlast everything. It will be triumphant. It will be announced for every generation. It will continue to be announced while all the foolishness of the world comes and goes. All right. Fads, fashions. Nations, empires, they all come and they go. And still the word of God keeps there. Now, so again, we see here that there is this um, warning to them, but it's also a consolation to us. Right Now, another aspect of this is um, Chesterton, I think, points out, you know, to the to, in a rebellious time like ours, Chesterton had a lot of things to say. I mean, you probably heard the classic one that most people know that when people stop believing in God, it's not that they believe in nothing, but they'll believe in anything. That's the kind of classic one. But he also had a few things to say. He says, you know, when you go and you see a fence and you say, well, who put that up? Uh, I'm going to just tear it down. He said, maybe you want to go find out why they put the fence up in the first place before you tear it down. And you see the reckless and the, re the rebels among us don't do that. They're just iconoclastic. They just want to wildly smash anything that's old or dustier to them out of date. They just, they just want to have nothing to do with it. And this is a foolishness. You know, it's, it's, so if you see a fence that does limit things, you might wonder, well, why was this fence put here in the first place? You might be surprised. When I was a young man, I'd come into a setting like, who left this year? Why do they, well, this is not, this doesn't belong here. And I would put it away or whatever and come to find out the person had put it there so that they wouldn't forget to bring it to something they were, you know, you ought to just at least ask, why did somebody do this? Was it just carelessness or is it, or is it, is there a reason? Is there a reason? So anyway, all that's just a way of saying that, uh, that one other, though, Chesterton quote about rebels <laughs> is this, it says, he says that when we break God's big laws, we don't get liberty. We get a lot of small laws. <laughs> you follow me? <laughs> I mean, see how, see how litigious our culture has become? 
you know, oh, my gosh, you're just forever. And you know, these big, huge, sick volumes of tax law and every other kind of law you can imagine, every little thing being legislated, everything being adjudicated, everything being in the courts. Because, you know, if we don't even respect each other, we steal or we defraud or we, you know, sexually abuse one another and all these things, you know, suddenly you've got a thousand laws. It's, when you could have just had one, don't, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. But instead, we break the big ones. And so we have 10,000 little laws that are meant to frame out and say, you know, what, what every single thing means. I remember sitting on a grand jury. You wouldn't believe all the laws about guns that we had to learn. I mean, just it, it can only have this kind of a clip, but not this many bullets in the clip. The, the barrel can only be this long, not this long. And, you know, just everything you could imagine, you know, um, it's bewildering. And uh, you can drive into one jurisdiction and be in violation of the law and drive out to another jurisdiction and not be. <laughs> so it was just just unbelievable, uh, the kind of lengthy and, and vast law, law books that have all these rules and stipulations. And so anyway, the, the point is that re rebels don't get the liberty they think they're going to be demanding. They get more tedious, more litigious. And so on. You know, they they all ride under the banner of tolerance. And then the next thing you know, um, their tolerance has turned into, uh, you know, you better or else I will sue you. You know. All right. So God is warning the rebels. He's saying, you know, you're going you know, to play around and goof off. And he's in, then you're going to go and craft your own gods. If you, if you won't listen to me and to my law, you're going to start building your own little idols. And so for, for many people today, um, since we don't want to listen to God's wisdom and God, or trust in God's justice, um, we decide that science or the market or the government, they're not intrinsically evil, but they're not gods. And so we think, well, they can deliver me, you know? So we have all, we have, um, we have all these things that we start to get anxious about in our culture, you know, COVID, of course, government, help me, save me from getting a bad cold, save me. Um, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we, we cry out uh, for, uh, for justice. We always are constantly going to the government for it, more laws, we're worried about the environment, more laws, uh, more things. And in a way, these government and science and um, the, the experts all become like gods to us. And we stop listening to the one true God. OK, so the Lord is saying, I'm warning you right now, your life goes pretty bad if you if you start becoming rebellious against me. Um, even if you think, oh, we're finally rid of him. Suddenly, the oppressive hand of government is coming uh, as the fruits of uh, you turning to the government and trying to turn it into God. Or these scientists are all telling us about global climate change, but they don't agree. And when I was a kid, they were warning about an ice age. And now they're warning about a climate, uh, you know, climate change, uh, warming. And um, I don't know. I mean, but I, who do you trust? Who do you listen to? And so there's all this pressure and all these things that come to bear when we just kick God to the curb. All right. And um, enough said on that. I don't want to spend too much time on that group. All right. So we have, though, remember the first group, he addressed the faithful remnant. Look, I love you. I'm carrying you. Stay with me. Don't, don't jump out of my arms. I'm carrying you, and we're going somewhere. And I, I need you to know, and I want you to trust me, and I love you. You rebels, you be careful. I'm God, and you're going to stand before me one day. And by God, you're going to answer to me. Do not trivialize me. Do not to say that I don't exist. I do exist. I was... Uh, 
just as an aside, a year and a half ago, I had COVID and I was in the hospital and some some woman in a nearby parish had called the Washington Post and said that uh, I had refused to wear a mask. Well, at that time, we weren't required to wear masks outdoors, and she she wanted to make me wear a mask. And I said, well, no, I, I have a mask in my pocket if we go indoors, but I'm not going to. And anyway, so she called Washington Post, and um, they, they called me to check the facts. And uh, this young reporter who was checking the facts, I could see they were going to be set, doing a setup on me. And um, the basic headline was, you know, priest uh, who, who um, refused to wear masks um, is now himself sick with COVID. You know, that was the kind of gist of the article. And I said, well, first of all, I never I always followed the law. I never told anyone not to wear a mask, but I didn't wear one when I didn't have to. And that's not how I got COVID. All right. Anyway. So anyway, the, the young lady was interviewing me. Um, I, I finally said to her, look, I know what you're about to do. And this this source, this woman in this parish is certifiably crazy woman. Uh, there's something wrong with her. She's got a mental health issue. I want you, you, you ought to check that before you go public with a story like this. He said, no, we're going to go public in an hour. It's going on there, um, Father. We just wanted to get your side. I said, well, listen, you're going to answer to God. People's reputation, my reputation is important to me. I said, you're, you're going to answer to God? I don't, I don't believe all that stuff. You're still going to answer to him. You, know, you can't just wish God out of existence at the point. You can't just say, oh, well, I don't believe all that stuff. I'm sorry. You're still going to answer to God. Okay, so he warns the rebels. God does. He warns them. You commit injustices and think you can do it with impunity. You're gonna you're gonna stand before me one day. Okay. Now, finally, the faint-hearted who are at risk. This is, in a way, going back to the first group, but not all of them are faint-hearted. So again, God returns to this theme. He says here, <clears throat> "Listen to me, you faint-hearted, you who seem far from the victory of justice. I am." bringing on my justice. It is not far off. My salvation shall not tarry. I will put salvation within Zion and give to Israel my glory. At the beginning, I foretell the outcome. In advance, things not yet done. I say that my plan shall stand. I accomplish my every purpose. I call from the east a bird of prey, from a distant land, one to carry out my plan. Yes, I have spoken it. I will accomplish it. I have planned it and I will do it, says the Lord. Mm. So again, to the faint-hearted, you who seem, notice that word there, seem far from the victory of justice. So right now it's kind of zero dark 30 in our culture, isn't it? A lot of our families are affected and our parishes, the numbers are down. You know, it, it's a pretty kind of, in many ways, a bleak picture, although beautiful sparks of light, right? Like, the Institute of Catholic Culture, like all of your beautiful faces, the people who still seek God, you see. A lot of good things still going on in the church. The overall picture looks pretty dark. We seem far from the victory of justice, and we're anxious, and we're hurt, and we're angry, and confused, and sort of just, you know, we're, we're, we're bewildered. And so God says, listen to me, you faint-hearted, who seem far from the victory of justice. I am bringing on my justice, okay? It is not far off. My salvation shall not tarry. Well, Lord, I've been praying for like more than two days and you haven't answered me. Or, you know, I've been praying for years now. We've been watching this problems in the church and in our culture going on for decades now. And it's like, we call out to God and it only just seems to get worse and worse. And so it doesn't seem like it's near, okay? 
So let's talk for a minute about God and the mystery of time. You know, there's um, an image of eternity, and some of you have been with me in other of my classes of Hermie uses before. God lives in, in eternity, which is not a long, 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 long time. That's not eternity. Eternity is the fullness of time. Past, present, and future are all equally present to God. Um, there's, God isn't waiting for anything. God isn't trying to think back on something. Everything, all of history is present to God as at once. That's eternity. So imagine a watch or a clock. And you'll see like that there's 12 o'clock, three, six, you know, the numbers are out there on the edge. But go to the center dot. And don't you see the 12 and three and six and nine? All those numbers are equally present to that center dot. Okay, the whole sweep of time is available to God just like that. He is all present to him. With that in mind, that comprehensive now of God, we turn to this idea that I have, you know, my justice is not far off and my salvation shall not tarry. God has already accomplished everything. He's already brought about the victory of justice. We have to live out on the edge of the clock as time the hands move. And to us, things just seem to grind pretty, pretty slowly. But God is already there. There's a beautiful song in gospel or a song in gospel music that says, God answers prayers faster than right now and sooner than immediately. <laughs> so, you know, you and I who are crying out for the justice or for a financial blessing or something, God has always known you would ask that. Your moment of asking and going before him is present to him even now, even if you did it 10 years ago. Everything is present to him and he's already provided. He's already supplied the answer. Sometimes the answer is no, but he's on my plan will go through. It is accomplished. It is already finished. It's just for you to experience how it unfolds before you. All right. So again, let's get back to the text. Some feel ready to give up. And God says, I want you to know my plan will endure whether or not you endure. My plan will endure. So I want you to get on the winning team and stay with me. We're going somewhere with this. Now, um, he says here, I will put salvation within Zion. I will give to Israel my glory. All right. I basically, he goes on and says, you know, I, I, I foretold the outcome in advance. Things not yet done. But God says, I've already done them. It's finished. It's accomplished. My plans are already there. Um, I indeed, I have spoken it. I will accomplish it. I have planned it. And I will do it. All right. So this delay that we sometimes experience from God, it is puzzling. For example, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but God is not in a big hurry. Uh, <laughs> darn it. <laughs> He's not in a big hurry. And he has his reasons. You know, per perhaps God needs, you know, for us to have some of these struggles. I, I don't think if we hadn't gone through some of the cultural revolution that uh, we've been through, that we would have groups like the Institute of Catholic Culture. You know, when we, we were young kids, I mean, I, again, just to put, put me in time, I'm, I'm 60. So I, I was at the very end, the final fumes of a kind of a cohesive experience as Catholics, where catechesis and culture and the liturgy were all kind of together. And that we didn't ask a lot of questions. And when we did, we usually just said, well, the church says so, you know. But we didn't, I'll be honest with you, we also didn't think that deeply. 
Um, you go to church. Thank you. I'm glad that was over. It's kind of like getting a flu shot. Let's hope it's as quick and painless as possible. And you go to church and you check off a few things, do a couple of holy days. Um, I don't think we were spiritual giants. There was just kind of a culture in place that we we would follow that you go to church on Sunday. And I'm not trying to also minimize it and say, you know, it was all just a bunch of, you know, window dressing either. But I'm going to just say that. I, but when when all of the rebellion set in and all this cultural revolution, suddenly real questions that we had to answer were put before us. And frankly, we weren't that well equipped to do it. We were not in an adversarial culture for a long time. Uh, so, you know, there's always some adversary, you know, but you see the point. It wasn't dramatic like it is today, but we really had to get together and do our homework and really learn and study the faith. And so maybe at times God allows some of these bumps in the road, some of these difficult periods so that the church can kind of get our act together and remember that we're in a war and we have to win win through to the end by God's grace. Preach and teach and be clear and certain. And um, so we have to pass through passages like this. And if that's true for the church, it's true for you as an individual, right? But God is saying, I want you to know, I've got a plan and we're going somewhere. And I have plans that are not disaster for you, but are blessings, joys unspeakable, glories untold. So I want you to come to me and realize that I'm the God who cares for you. And I'm about to send you once again in the liturgical cycle, my son. He has loved you with an everlasting love. And so this late Advent message of encouragement, we start out Advent kind of pondering the, um, you know, pondering, if you will, the, uh, the great second coming of the Lord, and that we should be respectful of that. We're not going to go have a nice uh, prayer meeting with Jesus. We're, we're going to be judged. And that's something to pray about and be ready for. We ought not trivialize God. So we, we started out with this basic idea that we've got to be ready and stay ready and stay in the God's care. Um, we, and the, in the second talk, we talked a little bit about then, well, what are some ways of staying ready? And we talked about those four pillars of the, of the Catholic and Christian faith. And in this one, I just wanted to sort of step back and look at this word of encouragement from God. He warns the, the rebels, but he seeks to encourage the faithful. It does seem that much is amiss today in the church, outside the church, even to the very top. When we're a little confused and bewildered, God says, listen, I've always known this. Everything's provided for. It may not seem to be coming together to you, but I want you to know I'm carrying you. I'm bringing you somewhere very good if you'll stay with me. Stay with me, stay faithful to the truth, and I will lead you to joys unspeakable and glories untold. I'm your savior, my son I've sent to save you. I, God, am your savior, he is God. I am bringing you somewhere. So rejoice this Christmas then that a savior is given to us. And savior doesn't just mean he saves me from going to hell. He's also going to save you from all of the stench of hell that already permeates our world. He's going to save you from that. If you stay close to him, he will be a source of healing and strength. He will be the one who can lead you through this, as St. Paul calls it, this present evil age. All right. So that's kind of what I wanted to share with you today. Um, and we have some time for your know, questions, and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll allow Peter or Father to, you know, sort of set the framework. But I'm certainly open to questions that aren't directly about this reading, but you, you decide.
Father or Peter. Thank you, Monsignor. Thank you on behalf of all here present, all those that participated in this uh, three Monday mornings with you. Really appreciate you taking the time, Monsignor, and uh, to be with us and kind of guys. I always love to be with you because, you know, it's it's um, it's uh, we kind of we just need that kind of uh, refreshing word and uh, the faithfulness that you bring. Uh, so many of our uh, ICC members are fine and many in good communities, many with very good faithful priests but some not so much. And there's just a uh, real need and a hunger out there uh, for the truth. And we appreciate you sharing that yeah. truth with us and not being ashamed to do so and not being afraid to, to tell the truth in a difficult time. And, um, you and, the, and the Institute have always been very kind and generous to me as well. I'm always grateful for the opportunities you provide and you've been very generous too. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Monsignor. I hope you're able to get a couple of Christmas gifts for your nephews and nieces. You know, Mon, <laughs> Mon, Monsignor has so is it a couple of nephews and nieces, Monsignor. Am I right? Uh, 12, 12. And, uh, I know always trying to take care of them and look out for them your family's dear to you. So, uh, we do, uh, on behalf of the whole ICC, I hope you have a beautiful, uh, nativity, beautiful Christmas and, and, and season and, uh, look forward to continuing to celebrate together. We're going to do a little Q and a, but, uh, Peter, you had mentioned the theology course. And I just wanted to double down on that. I was just thinking the other day, um, um, that, uh, well, I sent out the email, right? We got the email out, Peter, about the God words business. Saturday you know? morning. Yes. Yeah. The- Theos logos. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, God words. So, you know, I, there's, there's two different ways that the common way of understanding the word theology is words or concepts about God. Um, but you know, there's something more, I, maybe I'm being a little monster. You can correct me, but I'm, you know, I think there's something beautiful in the fact that we have this, this we've been given the church and the, and the church is, uh, is it communicates, it reveals to us the truth about God um, in all of her teachings. And so we can truly say that doctrine, that ca- truly Catholic doctrine, of course, not made up nonsense, but the, truly <laughs> the teachings of the church are not only words, concepts that we have about God, but truly God words. They're revelatory of who he really is. Uh, so when we study theology, we, we come to know the one who is our creator in a real way. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to do God words at the ICC in, uh, in, in 2022. Let God speak to us through the teachings of the church. And, uh, and I'm looking, really looking forward to that with Dr. Jared Stout. So I encourage you that uh, as I sent out, I don't know if you had a chance to look at my email, my, my conversation with uh, that I had with Kelsey about a new year's resolution, but I can't think of a better new year's resolution than to learn God words in 2022, learn the language of God and how he speaks to us, reveals himself to us. And uh, there's nothing more exciting. Uh, really? I mean, can there really, Monsignor, can there be anything more exciting than theology? That's, She's the queen of all the science. Yes. <laughs> you, co- you come to know the one who is the eternal God. And that's a, that is a truly, that's why I got my degree in theology. I just, that's where I want to be. So, um, so uh, anyways, we have our theology 101 course available to everybody. You can do it audit track or certificate track. If you want to do your, you know, the quizzes along the way or whatever, there is a, uh, a book that is recommended. Although <laughs> When I sat down with uh, Dr. Jared Stout and I said, I want you to use Dr. Ludwig Ott, I didn't realize that it had been republished and is a hardbound book by uh, 
I can't remember the publishing company, Peter. Baronius. Baronius. It's a beautiful like, book. It is really, a gorgeous yeah. book. But the thing costs like 80 bucks. It's like, you know, kind of crazy as expensive. But if uh, if you can't, uh, it's not required reading. It's not required reading. So um, and along the way, we might just photocopy a few chapters here or there as we're allowed to do and be able to share the most important parts with you. So don't let that deter you from, from participating. Uh, Peter, you want to show them where they can go real quick? Theology 101. Sure. Yeah. I just dropped a link in the chat as well. And of course I'll include this in the follow-up email, but if you're on our website, just go ahead and navigate. If you end up on this screen, it's because you're not logged in, or if you are logged in, it's going to look something like this with our upcoming events. Uh, it's going to show up in the upcoming events here, Theology 101, Fundamentals of Catholic Doctrine. You can go ahead over here. It says registration is open. You have this option of choosing audit or certificate track. Like Father just mentioned, the big difference uh, is taking quizzes. And you can read the uh, distinctions here. Uh, but go ahead and just use this red button to apply. It's going to ask you for some basic information to apply. Um, so just fill out that form and you'll be off to the races. And so, of course, it's a live course taught We're Thursday evenings, Peter, at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time, right? Five o'clock uh, Pacific time. And if you really want to have your face sanded off, you can join us a half an hour early for our pregame and uh, Father Hezekiah. And, and we uh, have, Father, I'll just jump in. And, we have people who we know are joining from countries, from time zones as crazy as Australia, this like the next day when they write yeah. in and they say, yeah, your class is at 9 a.m. for me. You're like, whoa, but yeah, but, but or they 3 do, like, don't let that you know? deter you either. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and Monsignor, thank you for your uh, encouragement as far as supporting the ICC. As you know, we're all in our and we're in a Christmas drive right now, uh, raising raising needed funds, not only to pay for our you know, to be able to provide speaker stipends and things for, 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 for uh, those who come and teach at the ICC, uh, to pay our bills, and, uh, but also to also grow, God willing to grow in, in 2022. And I, I know that the, the Lord's not done with the ICC. We've got a bright future. So if you want to support this mission and make uh, these uh, programs possible as we grow the Institute, we grow our Magdala Apostolate for the Sisters and so forth, feel free to participate. We'll put a link in our chat box if anybody would like to to uh, to make a donation, do so via credit card. Yeah, or you can honk your horn. Um, and uh, and uh, was it a little sideshow for Father like supporting Father has guys money plug right there with all doot doot. Yeah, and so we're gonna put the uh, the link in there for the credit card. But if you go to that link, you can also if you want to send a check in. Uh, there's a there's an address there, um, and you can do that if you like. But we have Q and A for those that want to participate in question and answer right down there at the bottom of your screen. Uh, you'll see a Q&A button, not the chat button, Q&A. Peter, give them the rules. Yeah, please use the Q&A button if you are not an on-screen panelist. If you are an on-screen panelist, just flag uh, Father or me down and you can ask your question in person. But for everybody else, go ahead and write it in that Q&A box that Father mentioned. Please keep them short, you know, one or two sentences uh, on topic and of course, ending in a question mark so that it's actually a question in the question and answer box and not, and not uh, color commentary on today's topic. Monsignor, we're going to go right to the, the a, a tough one that, uh, that uh, you were bringing up regarding uh, God's time, our understanding of, of God's time. Um, and uh, Barbara asked regarding this, this is how is Jesus not still on the cross then? And I think that then applies to all aspects of Christ's earthly ministry. Yeah. Well, 
in a certain sense, he is in that that event, the once for all perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the altar of the cross is always made visible to us. So, by the way, it's background noise. Like they're taking the trash out of the alley. Just like <laughs> no, we can't hear it. You're fine. We got a good good, good yeah. feed, Monsignor. Go ahead. But so, in other words, that that's actually the perfect example of how this works. It's not that we're re-sacrificing or redoing anything. We are having something made present to us of the once for all perfect sacrifice of Christ that radiates out from that moment and is now, you know, part of eternity, you know? And uh, so for us, um, that would be, um, are we saying that he's still on the cross? Depends on what you mean by, by, by time, but in our usual way of speaking, no, he's, he's in glory in heaven, but that's from our perspective, but that, that sacrifice is made present to us in, in, you know, constantly, it's always available to us through anamnesis. Yeah, I, I can't stress how important this point is, especially we're talking about theology. When Monsignor Pope is, is talking, is extremely important, especially regarding, as he says, anamnesis, the liturgy, and making present the realities which are historical events, but taken up into God's eternity. And the, the catechism has a beautiful quotation on this. This is why we say today, yeah, the hymn right now in our Byzantine tradition, today the virgin is on her way to the cave where she will give birth. And then on Christmas, today the virgin gives birth. Yes, today Christ is baptized. Today Christ is crucified. Today Christ is risen uh, and truly made present to us. Not just kind of, oh, that's kind of nice. I'm going to do a Monsignor Pope thing, right? That's nice liturgy, you know? No, 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 really. You, like, do you want, do you want to participate in, 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 do you ever wish you could see Noah's flood or the crossing of the Red Sea? Do you ever wish you could stand there, the cross and the Red don't you ever dare walk by a baptism in the church? There's no such thing as private baptisms in the Catholic church. We don't believe in private. Well, private in the sense that the outside world, no, this is for our family. And this child's being baptized into this family. Not there, not just a physical family. Oh, this is for the, you know, Smith's baptism. Everybody stay away. No, this is a participation in this eternal now of God in which the flood of Noah, the crossing of the Red Sea, this baptism, the baptism of Christ are all made present here and now, but I'm not giving this class. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to uh, anybody who wants to participate. If you're on screen, a panelist and want to raise your hand, you have a question, you're more than welcome uh, to do so. Uh, and again, if you want to put uh, any questions you have down there in the, in the Q and a box, you're welcome to do so. Uh, Peter's grabbing those for us. Uh, Monsignor. Another question for you. Uh, I'm going to actually combine two questions that have come in. Um, what, how do you, what do you recommend or what recommendations do you have for reaching out to people in uh, these groups that you mentioned during the Christmas season, relatives who are quote rebels, the faint hearted. And then I'm just going to include Linda asked this question. How can we best be witnesses in the midst of our woke parishes? in the world i gotta laugh at that because it just says well it's sad I, i'm laughing because it's sad but how many of our parishes are infected with this stuff but go ahead monsignor well i think one thing that we catholics aren't very good at is um answering with testimony uh we'll we'll quote something you know from a catechism or the scripture fine that's good that's good substance <laughs> but you know, I remember some of the parents saying, well, I don't understand. My kids don't go to church anymore and all that kind of stuff. I say, okay, 
Let me ask you, why do you go to mass? Um, I don't know, it's kind of vague, you know. And uh, I said, well, let me tell you why I go to mass. Well, Father, you're a priest. You have to go to mass. <laughs> I go to mass because it's changing my life. Jesus puts on priestly robes and he ministers to me. His sacrifice for the cross is made present and applied to me. Through the sacraments, I receive food for my journey. Um, and all these years of going to Mass have changed my life. I'm a different man than I was 40, 50 years ago. I'm embarrassed to tell you some of the things I used to think 40 and 50 years ago. Um, but all these years of reading God's Word, praying, being at the liturgy, I'm a changed man. I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And I don't know where I'd be today without the Holy Mass. Now, how many children have ever heard their parents speak like that to them? You know, we're not very good at testifying. There is, the, when we were kids, uh, those of us who are older, the argument from authority carried a lot of weight. Today, it doesn't. In fact, sometimes, when you pull that number, I'm not going to be told what to do. People don't trust institutions, and the argument from authority doesn't. Sometimes it backfires. So I think that although we should say, well, you know, we need to go to Mass because it's a mortal sin. It's in the Ten Commandments. Don't mess around with the Ten Commandments. And unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But let me tell you, I do have life in me because of the Holy Mass. And Christ feeds me and he leads me and he teaches me and he loves me. That's why I go to Mass. Now, I would also say, though, that sometimes we become a little too squeamish about talking about some of these things. For example, if you have a, a loved one, a family member, friend um, who uh, wants you to, uh, you know, you, you have to say, sometimes say to them, look, dear, you're not, you shouldn't be living with your boyfriend. Um, that's a sin. And I just, I have to tell you, I just don't want you to go to hell. I mean, again, how many children have ever had their parents or grandparents speak to them like that? We've been very dismissive or very un, un um, unnerved by the teaching or the doctrine on hell. And yet Jesus mentioned it all the time. St. Paul mentioned it. You know, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, so again, we have to, I think, kind of combine this kind of love and testimony with a certain urgency. It's not afraid to mention, I'm really concerned about you because I don't want, they may reject you and what, but then sometimes you plant a seed. All right, so that's about the best I can do, kind of. Now, I, the second part, though, I think, oh, the woke parish thing, yeah. Well, I mean, we have a little of that sometimes here where some of the parishioners will go to one of the priests and, and say, you know, Father, your sermon was, you know, mostly about politics, and I, I really am I'm coming here for something deeper and richer and more lasting. Um, you know, if, if there's a priest like that, you know, go and speak to him. Go ahead and speak, you know, speak um, with him about it and ask, you know, that you'd like really more deeply spiritual things. Give us the principles. We're the laity. The, the temporal order will take care of that. You give us the principles and give us uh, the spirituality that we need. Thank you, Monsignor. Um, question coming in here. Um, you, Monsignor, you speak about the Mass in a beautiful way, but it's not like that in my experience. I feel lost in a church which is just, and then use the quotation marks, lame when it comes to church. Uh, what can I do to cultivate a proper spirit about the mass, even when it is celebrated so poorly in my parish? Yeah, well, you can look for another one, first of all. <laughs> but secondly, even if you can't reasonably go to another nearby church where things are better, I, I think, remember, it's the holy sacrifice of the mass. And um, 
I think Mary and John and Mary Magdalene, Mary Clopas and Salome took great exception uh, to the nature of the liturgy occurring before them. It was very painful. Now, sometimes, therefore, when we go to mass and the priest has all these idiosyncrasies or foolishness or he takes liberties with the word or what have you, uh, the words of the mass, oh, you know, you're like, oh. Strive to think of yourself as at the foot of the cross. Um, it's, it's hard at times. Is there, you know, stay in constant communication with the priest of your parish and the uh, and the bishop if necessary. But at the end of the day, you, sometimes we have to simply endure uh, and stay faithful despite foolishness around us. And it is it is a moment for us to maybe enter into the sacrifice that the mass is. But otherwise, if you can't look for another prayer, do it. I mean, why keep propping up stuff that's just, you know, illicit or um, is, is uh, just, is, she said, I think the word he or she said lame. Lame, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. I do want to just, in conclusion here, to say thank you to all of you. Number one, uh, all of our participants over the past year that have dedicated time to uh, learning the faith. I hope what the ICC has given you has been uh, something of a life-changing experience, an opportunity to truly grow in your love of the Lord. And, um, and, uh, and then to thank our benefactors that have made the ICC possible over the past year and are making the ICC possible in the year and years to come. Uh, we do, do very much appreciate the sacrifice of your, the time you've given uh, your, 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 uh, your, your treasure also. And then as Monsignor said, you know, not all of us have equal talents. Not all of us can, can preach and teach like Monsignor Pope can, but by supporting this mission, you're offering those talents to all of the people that are participating. So thank you, and God bless you for that. Monsignor, your blessing. Good. All right. Almighty God, um, you've given us words of consolation today from Isaiah that um, the salvation that you have for us is not far off. It will surely come because you have said it, You've decided to do it and you will do it. So help us then to stay faithful to you unto death. And even if we have to go through some dark valleys and shadow of death, keep us faithful so that we may be brought to those green pastures that you also have for us, who are your sheep and your flock. Please, Lord, bless us now. Help us to have a heart that's joyfully receptive to the coming of our Savior. And uh, keep us close to our Savior, Jesus, at all times. We make all these prayers, Heavenly Father, before your throne. In the name of your glorious Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this program from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Remember to download our app and share our online library with friends, co-workers, and family members. To learn more, get involved, and support the Institute's work, Visit instituteofcatholicculture.org and visit us on social media.